Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week five is finished and we got our first taste of what it'll be like to navigate the endless buys over the next couple of weeks. Now the focus on individual matchups is even more important than ever. As you guys know by this point, I'll be covering a few trap players to avoid on the waiver wire this week and then we'll be doing a deep dive into those who you should actually be targeting in order to help your teams get through these next couple of crazy weeks. All this and more coming right after this. Caleb Williams dancing, cutting, mesmerizing run by the quarterback. Marvin Harrison, junior touchdown. Marvelous Mar. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work. On this Monday morning, we are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus of Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday morning during the season at 6 a.m. Sharp. If you want to support the great work we're doing here, head on over to campusofcanton.com and subscribe there with one of our amazing grandiose tiers you'll find everything you need for your cff devi c2c and betting needs including articles rankings tools and even more than that you can also find me on the show on twitter i am at cff underscore jared and the show is at chasing the natty all right y'all guys we're through week five we're about to hit start hitting the halfway point for college fantasy soon i got some fun stuff kind of planned over the next couple of weeks i definitely want to do kind of a mid-season check-in uh, on a couple of things one i want to look back on some of our preseason expectations uh kind of look at what adp had especially right before the season who's kind of busted who's kind of done what they're supposed to who's kind of come out of nowhere i'll be doing a little bit of research on that over the next couple of weeks that should be kind of a fun either i'll probably put it into a show format or i'll put it into an article format we'll see i haven't really decided yet but i definitely want to do something on that so definitely be on the lookout for that and then in addition those of you who've been following me for a couple of years you know for a fact that Every year around the midseason point, so probably sometime after this next week of games, maybe even after week seven, I'm going to put out a survey on Twitter. Again, I'm going to put it on the Chasing the Natty account at Chasing the Natty on Twitter. And I want to hear from you guys. Again, we've been doing this is my third year doing content uh, in terms of like a, like in-season content, like pretty consistently. Um We've learned so much every single year, and this survey is going to ask a lot of the same questions we've been asking year after year. Simple things like, what do you like about the show? What do you not like about the show? Like, where do you listen? Um, How do you listen typically? Like, what do you listen for? What is something we could be doing better? What is something you want us to continue to do? It's stuff like that that I want to hear from you guys. And every year, we do try to take on a few things from each, or we try to take a few things from that survey every year that we can then move forward with and 
trying to make the show better either for the second half of the season or it gives me a project to work on during the off season that we can then come around to and have for next year so again be on the lookout for all of that that's enough of that kind of talk right there you guys don't want to hear about all that you want me to hear talk me talk about either this week's past games or you want me to talk about the players that you should or shouldn't be targeting for waiver wires this week uh in terms of this past week again i won't talk about it too much it, it was a epic epic weekend of college football again once again anytime you hear somebody anytime you ever hear anybody be like oh it's a sleepy weekend in college football stop it just stop it you know it's college football there's always going to be great games on every single week the only time we could truly say that a weekend was sleepy was after we've seen it already and that's usually the weekends where we think there's gonna be a bunch of great games and suddenly it's a bunch of blowouts but you know that kind of stuff happens but never go into a weekend expecting uh, anything less from college football. Again, some epically fantastic games this weekend. Again, obviously, I'm a Georgia fan. We got by in a squeaker. I hate playing at Jordan Hare. There's always weird stuff going on over there. Um, so that was a fun... That was uh, Again, as much as I hated it in the moment, looking back on it, it's a fun game to watch. It's fun to kind of see teams that you thought would be at the top, you know, having to kind of um, crawl, scratch their way to a win, uh, especially in great environments like... Auburn and Jordan Hare and everybody over there so uh, but again like not only was it that game obviously the LSU um the LSU Ole Miss game was probably my favorite game of the weekend uh without you know biases in terms of like you know Georgia playing but like LSU Ole Miss like I couldn't keep my eyes off that screen again did it suck that there was basically no defense really yeah like there was just no defensive plays really being made at any given point but Sometimes it's just fun to see like who literally can just make the final play on offense. And that's what the game really came down to. The fact that, again, the, after all of that, it took a defender to just completely bat the ball away in the end zone in the final second of the game was really, really fantastic. And again, there's a lot of other great games as well. Um, again, the USC-Colorado game. Again, I see some people, again, it's, again, this is probably the Colorado hater coming out at me. Again, I have gotten to the point where, again, I like watching Colorado. They're fun to watch. No doubt about it. But, like, some people were like, oh, USC, like, a massive struggle win. Yes, they took their ga- they took their foot off the gas way too early in that game, and it came back to bite them. But, like, it just feels like a lot of people are like, oh, they really squeaked one out there. Like, never, it, I never thought during that game that USC was going to actually lose that game. I never thought that Colorado was going to come back and win that game. Yeah, did I expect them to score a bunch of garbage time points, which they did? Yes. Yes, they did. But again, like it was literally only because USC just stopped playing, basically. And again, that's on Lincoln Riley. It's on Alex Grinch. They should have been able to get their guys back up and going the moment that it was clear that Colorado was going to be able to put up some more points. But I just felt it was kind of weird where people were like, oh, like this just shows how bad. Yes, it shows how bad USC's defense is. But the they're like, oh, they're no longer a top 10 team. I'm like, no, that's an offense that if they really wanted to, they absolutely could hang 70 on you if they don't take their foot off the gas. So like, I, I don't know. I just felt like that was weird. I'm not usually much of a Lincoln Riley defender, but like, I don't know. It, it was just a weird discourse afterwards with people talking about Colorado being like, oh, this, this, this shows they're back to what they were to start the season. I'm like, no, I saw a team go down 35, 14 in the first half. And if that, if, again, if Riley and them didn't take their foot off the gas, it would have been much, much worse than that. So, anyway, enough rambling for me. You guys want to hear about players. You guys want to hear about who you should be looking at for these next couple of weeks. Again, tons and tons of bye weeks. You're looking at some of your rosters being like, oh, God, I don't even have 
enough players to field three receivers because I got three players off in week six and there were three players off in week nine and stuff like that. Like, And you're probably scratching your head like, all right, where do I go here? As I kind of mentioned last week, a lot of the rest of season value guys, the guys that are like, you know, you pick them up and they, they're probably going to stay on your roster the whole rest of the season. Most of those guys are gone. So now it really is when you're going to the waiver wire, you're looking for those guys that will help you for just a couple weeks. They got a really good stretch there or just one, even just one game. Those are the values we're going to be looking at today. We are definitely going to be touching on quite a few of those guys here. But for now, we've got to first start with, of course, our trap players. Remember, y'all, don't go chasing points in college fantasy just because a player scored in the top five at a position last week does not mean that they're a value the rest of the season. You have to be smart about who you're investing in with waiver wires. Context is key in college fantasies. These guys are the Trojan horses of, of college fantasies. They are your real estate agent telling you they have some beachfront property in Tucson, Arizona. They are the traps of college fantasy let's go and talk about a couple of them we got out of week six i'll be real most of these are pretty obvious again you guys have been listening to me long enough to at this point to know kind of what to look for what to look for when it comes to players that seem like they're doing super well but there's a couple things you got to see there that kind of make it make a lot more sense we'll first start with the quarterback here mr jaya Wright, the quarterback out of ulm monroe i don't think i need to tell you guys that when you see a quarterback score 40 points, but then you check their history and they've started multiple games and they never were able to score higher than 7.2 fantasy points before that point, that should be the instant red flag for you. Obviously, Jaya Wright is not a guy you need to be running and grabbing off your waiver wire. Pretty much the only case I could see Wright being a valuable asset is if you went and grabbed him in like a best ball league and you're maybe it's a maybe it's a league where you are you know there's not a lot of quarterback options there are very like maybe you got to start three quarterbacks maybe there's i don't know 24 teams or something like there's just some, something ridiculous like that yeah then he becomes a value then you throw him on your roster and hope he has another big week like he did against appalachian state here but for now like redraft having to put him into your lineup I don't, I don't think there's ever a week where I'm going to be looking at Jaya Wright and thinking to myself, oh, I'm totally okay with starting him here. So don't worry about him. Let's move on to the running backs here real quick. Got two of them here. Jill and Knighton running back out of SMU. First of all, man, SMU has just been a team that I think a lot of us have just been not disappointed with. It's not like the offense has been bad, but like for fantasy, like typically we've seen an RB1 come out of there. We've seen a wide receiver one truly emerge, and that's just straight up has not happened this year again it's good for football reasons like obviously smu's probably happy about the fact that they got a ton of great weapons that they can spread the ball around to but for our purposes it sucks and some people might be looking at jalen knighton's performance after this week and saying to themselves like oh shoot two touchdowns 150 some yards this guy might be you know the top smu running back Maybe after this week, it earns him a few more carries, but on only 12 touches, I'm not expecting 150 yards and two touchdowns every single week, especially when two-thirds of that production came on one play. He had a 95-yard uh, rushing touchdown in this game. So without that, you're looking at 10 carries, you know, 55 yards and a touchdown. Like, you're not super happy about that in fantasy moving forward. Again, Knighton shown that he can get some decent volume. He had 18 plus touches in weeks one and two. But as the rest of that running back room has gotten healthier, guys like Kamar Wheaton, guys like LJ Johnson, who are still kind of back and forth. It's part of the reason why Knighton had a big week this past week. But even when the, when those guys are back, 
Knighton takes a step back. Again, he's still the number one guy, but it's clear they would like to go with a split backfield there. And just to add on top of all of this, again, typically with an RB1, you want to see a guy that pretty consistently gets touchdowns. Again, we'll touch on that a little bit more with some of the guys we we, uh, talk about later. Um, But with Knighton, this past week, despite the fact he's been RB1 for SMU all year, this is the first time that he finally found the end zone. So... Again, not really buying into Knighton as a potential option for your waiver wire picks this week. Especially since they're playing against Charlotte. Charlotte is, again, not a very good defense right there. Another running back here, John Gentry, running back out of Sam Houston. Uh, Herbacek, the number one typical running back, was out. Not that he's been super incredible for this year either. Like Again, he's he's been, quite frankly, pretty awful for a number one running back for Sam Houston. Again, he's a big reason why they have not been able to clear... I think they weren't able to clear more than like seven points in the first three or four weeks of the season on offense. So it's just absolutely abysmal. Then Gentry comes in this past week. He Gentry to start the year went from 11 touches to two touches to 10 touches. So clearly a guy that, you know, they're kind of mixing in there, throwing in there. He suddenly goes from that to 33 touches this past week. Now, granted, again, Herbacek is out. So again, this could be a Minnesota situation where, again, where all of a sudden, you know, a guy gets going, the offense is looking much better than it has all year long, and you just kind of keep feeding feeding it to him. But I'll be like, I think he averaged like less than three yards per carry in this game. I can't remember the number number off the top of my head, but it was somewhere right around that point. But even so, like with Herbacek being out and probably coming back pretty soon, from what I've heard, um, you know, averaging less than three yards per carry. This sudden jump up into massive volume here for Sam Houston, I just don't think that we can really expect that out of Gentry anytime soon. Now, could it mean he gets more work moving forward? Yes, obviously. Again, like I said, the Bearcats looked better on offense with him as the RB1 than ever did under Herbacek. But I also don't like the odds of him turning into a weekly fantasy starter, especially with how bad Sam Houston's been on offense to start the year period. So I would avoid him. Uh, next one here. This one's this one's tough because again he has such a he has such a good week this past week, and you know it's it's a great system. If he can truly cement himself as one of the starters, that is something that we have to be on the lookout for. But as of right now, I'm not buying into Amarian Miller, the true freshman wide receiver for Colorado. Again, fantastic performance this past week, almost 200 yards, I believe. He had one to two touchdowns. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, I know for a fact he got one. I can't remember if he got a, he ended up bringing in a second one. But regardless, I just think there's too many mouths to feed at Colorado for him to be truly a, like a weekly guy. Between Miller, you also got Horn, Weaver, Harrison. We're not even considering the fact of when uh, Travis Hunter comes back within a couple of weeks here, probably. I just think that... I think this Colorado wide receiver room start going to start becoming a little frustrating for a lot of their fantasy owners because to start the year is three clear guys. It was Hunter, it was Horn, it was Weaver. Those are the three clear guys. They were getting all the targets, but now Hunter goes out. Harrison steps up as like a tight end wide receiver flex option there. Amari Miller starting to step up. I again after performances past week, I doubt they're going to be able to keep Miller off the field, but that's going to start mean that these guys are going to start mixing up their snap numbers here. And I think you're going to see Miller have some big weeks like he did this week. But he could also have the Weaver role from this 
past week. Like Weaver had like seven targets in this game, but he only finished with 29 yards. I think Miller's probably going to find himself on the end of that a little bit more than the rest of those guys. Again, obvious pickup in Dynasty if he's available in any of your leagues. Like This is a guy that you probably throw a ton of fab at just for the possibility that he could be a weekly starter this year and definitely into next year. But as for right now, I'm just not going to put too much into Amari Miller, expecting him to truly take over one of those starting spots for Colorado. I am out for right now. And then last one here is Zach Horton, tight end. Going to keep this one short and sweet. Four targets, 116 yards, two touchdowns. Only saw seven targets total in his previous four games. Never amounted to more than 15 yards in a game. Yeah, his big performance this past week, again, over 100 yards, two touchdowns. That's an anomaly. Don't. Don't go chasing Horton if you're wanting to grab, you know, a high upside tight end. High upside tight ends are usually only good if they're still getting consistent volume, which Horton is not. So with that being said, that is all of our week five waiver wire traps. Those are the ones to avoid. Now let's get positive. Let's go talk about some of these players that you absolutely should be targeting. First, I will need to take myself a sip of water. There we go, y'all. Always appreciate that. And let's go ahead and talk about our first quarterback on the day. I'll be real with y'all. I messed up. These graphics are not in the order of importance. I will try to be very clear at the end of each segment how I would rank each and every one of these guys for your waiver wire weeks this week. Again, this is probably going to come back and bite me in a butt a couple leagues because people are going to know exactly how I rank these guys. But still... It, it, it be what it be when you're in this industry. So let's start with Kyron Drones, the quarterback out of Virginia Tech, rostered in 4% of leagues this past week, 228 yards to the air, three touchdowns, as well as 41 yards on the ground and two touchdowns on the ground. So very, very big performance here from Kyron Jones. I mean, he looked awful in the spring. Like, he straight up looked awful, and the reports were that he was not looking good and that Grant Wells looked like the better quarterback. But now, Grant Wells goes down with the injury. Kyron Jones comes in and, gotta say, has Virginia Tech found something on the offense here that works? Because they're looking quite a bit better. Even, even if they're not putting up the number, like if, even if they're not putting up the points that they typically do, their offense just seems like it's flowing just a little bit better than it has under Wells here. Maybe that comes with the fact that you know, defenses have to think about something else completely now, and that is Drone's legs. It kind of opens up some other things. Again, since starting against Rutgers, Drones has improved his fantasy output on a weekly basis. Again, you've seen him go 40-plus rushing yards in all three of his starts, 70-plus in two of them. He's got four rushing touchdowns the last two games. He is, like, again, he has the upside to have really, really big fantasy weeks and just provide a super safe floor for you um again with his dual threat ability and also being in games where he's either going to be forced to score or he's going to be playing from behind and like i said pretty much from there forced to score so again the matchups are going to be pretty nice for him for the most part we'll get to that here in a second the really the major issue is going to be predictability uh his all the VT offense got less than 17 points against Rutgers and Marshall, but then all of a sudden they just exploded for 38 points against Pittsburgh. If you had to give me those three teams and ask me which team does Virginia Tech go for 38 points against, 
I probably would have said none of them, but I would have guessed like Marshall, right? Like I feel like, you know, the G5 opponent, they probably could put up some points, maybe surprise Marshall, but no, against Pittsburgh, against an ACC opponent. So like, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be a little bit difficult to know exactly when to start him. But like I said, he is a pretty safe floor right now. Again, he's gotten 20 plus fantasy points in all three of his starts so far. Again, 30 plus this past week. He should be pretty okay. Upcoming opponents. FSU, probably a tough matchup. I probably wouldn't love to start him there. I would only really start him there in emergency. But Wake Forest, Syracuse, I really think that those could provide some really nice relief during, what is that, week? Uh, that has to be week, somewhere between weeks. Yeah. I, sorry, I can't remember. I, I should have written down all these quarterbacks by weeks, especially since, you know, by weeks are so important right now. But even so, um, Wake Forest and Syracuse, during bye week held uh, between week six and nine here, those should provide you some really, really nice uh, comfort there. Let's move on to our next quarterback here. This is Mr. Chandler Jones, the quarterback out of North Texas, rostered on 15% of rosters. He threw for 321 yards and three touchdowns this past week and ran seven times for 29 yards and a touchdown. I have to eat a little bit of crow on Mr. Rogers here because... I was convinced, convinced there was no way he was going to end up being the starter for North Texas. And I was right to start the year. Like, uh, again, it ended up being Stone Earl. I thought it would be Jace Reuter, but Jace Reuter's got his own injury problems, apparently. And Stone Earl was playing well in practice. So Stone, Stone Earl starts. But then he kind of starts sucking. And Rodgers comes in. Since then, he's really been a very safe play in CFF, scoring 24-plus fantasy points in every game. He has started, and he still has some huge unlock potential that we'll kind of get to here in a second, because you think Chandler Rogers, you think of his time at ULL Monroe, last we saw him, he was super reliant on his legs. He sucked at passing. It was not his game whatsoever. So you would think coming to North Texas, it would be like, oh, he's going to run a bunch, and like you know, he'll be one of those quarterbacks we've come to like not really love but you know you know the type of quarterbacks in college football they run a ton their passing's pretty abysmal but it's enough to make them fantasy relevant i thought that's what chandler rogers is going to be here no no that's not what we're getting at all he's had less than 10 rushing attempts in every game and has less than 50 rushing yards in all three he has done super well in the passing department after barely squeaking 200 yards versus Ford International in his first start. He's hit 300 plus yards versus LA Tech and an FCS opponent. Again, obviously not the greatest of competition there, but he's getting the volume. It's not like he, you know these are big plays. He's only thrown like maybe 17, 18 times a game. He's just happened to getting some really big chunks, 60, 70 yard touchdowns or something like that. No, he's had 35 plus passing attempts in the last two games. So clearly the coaching staff feels pretty comfortable with him passing moving forward, which is really, really good to see. And then just in addition to all of this, like again, he's performed much better. His value, again, Kind of going back to my point earlier, where the, in terms of there being unlocked potential here, he's doing really well in the passing game, much better than I was expecting to. He's not reliant on his legs to be fantasy relevant. Like I said, he's been 24 plus points every single week that he has started. So that tells me that if he's passing this well and they start letting him run quite a bit, who boy, Rogers got some big, big weeks ahead of him. And I think it's coming within the next couple of weeks here. Just look at this upcoming schedule. Just an absolute beauty 
Navy and Temple over the next two weeks, week six and seven. That is a beautiful grab. If you're struggling any of those, either one of those weeks, I think Rogers is going to have huge games against both of those teams. Navy has been just an absolute sieve when it comes to passing games. I think Rogers could take advantage of that. Uh, Temple just got absolutely obliterated by Tulsa this past week. I almost put Cardo Williams on this week's show, but then I realized just how much, like, how much it had to do with more just Temple being terrible on defense than Cardo Williams kind of figuring something out here. And so with Rodgers getting that matchup in the next couple of weeks here, that's it. absolutely, absolutely beautiful right there. They get Tulane three weeks from now. Probably not the greatest of starts there, but afterwards, like according to C2C winning edge and Nicholas Ian Allen, North Texas's remaining schedule. And I was a little bit worried at first because, again, they play in the AAC. You know, it's a defensively challenged conference, but, like, you know, there's still some plenty of talented teams there. Their remaining schedule is... 112th in the country in team performance against the past, 103rd in team performance against the run. So bottom 30 team in or bottom 30 schedule in both those categories and is 106 in D-line team performance. So like you might be asking what does that mean? Well, that refers to like the pressure rates, havoc rates, sacks, stuff like that. So you're not thinking that Rodgers is is going to get absolutely hammered constantly. They're not facing teams with a really good pass rush. So Rodgers should, should absolutely be in line for some really, really good weeks moving forward. Again, the schedule sets up nicely. He's performed well to this point in the season. I got to eat a little bit of crow. I like Rodgers this week. I think he might be my favorite running back, or running back, excuse me, my favorite quarterback out of the ones that we'll be talking about here today extensively. Again, there's a couple of reminders I need to give out to you guys. And again, I'll get to this all in a second. Anyway, third quarterback here. Let's talk about Brady Cook, quarterback out of Missouri, rostered in 20 point, or 20% of rosters here, or 20% of leagues here. Uh, this past week, uh, 41 passing attempts for 395 yards and four touchdowns, as well as six rushing attempts for six yards. So not much with his legs there, but still, where did this, like, come from like this 41 passing attempts almost 400 yards four touchdowns like good lord did not know brady cook was uh, capable of this but it really has been just flying under the radar as a very steady eddie play he hasn't hit below 18.5 fantasy points six week since week one and that was against an fcs opponent again just one of those bad luck deals you know they go out there he plays for a bit it wasn't the it wasn't the best start and everything but since then, he's recorded three-plus touchdowns in three out of the last four games. In his passing performance has been really very impressive. Like I said, I didn't know he had this in him. 340-plus passing yards in three of his last games. Just absolutely, like all three of his last games, 340-plus passing yards. Just really, really incredible. Schedule, obviously, playing the SEC, but again, SEC defense is not quite being what they have been in the past year. Probably the only one I'm worried about in the next three here is Kentucky um, in Week 7, but LSU, we just saw what Ole Miss did to them. I don't really have much of a reason to expect Mizzou to not find a way to score 30 points against LSU this weekend. LSU might score you know, 50 against Mizzou, but even still, like, I, I, as far as I could tell, Mizzou has the capability to kind of cross that 30-point threshold, and that really does kind of seem to be the magic number for Cook. If if this Mizzou offense gets past 
30 points, Cook had himself a really good day. I can see it against LSU, so I think it's a really nice start for this week if you need somebody. And then three weeks from now, week eight, they got South Carolina. Oh my God, again, a bottom 10 passing defense in the entire country. Given how well Cook has looked to this point in the passing game, he could hit 400 plus easily in that game if the Cox are not able to, you know, clamp down on that defense by the time we get there. So that's pretty much all I have to say with Cook. Again, doesn't have the rushing ability. Probably, you know, I'd say a pretty safe floor play. Very steady Eddie kind of guy. If you're really missing your top guy and you don't want to swing for the fences, you just want a guy that's going to get you 25 fantasy points, Cook is probably your guy over the next couple of weeks. I think he is in for a nice little stretch here. Last quarterback we will talk about here is Mr. Logan Smothers, quarterback out of Jacksonville State, rostered on 3% of rosters this past week, threw for 197 yards and three touchdowns, as well as 37 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So another guy really here that's just quietly been a steady Eddie option, but kind of really flying under the radar. For those of you who may not have watched a Jacksonville State game since their Week Zero game against UTEP, where we were all super desperate for any kind of football, um, clearly you know this is not the quarterback that the Gamecocks started out the year with. Again, we are we have moved on to Logan Smothers. He transferred in from Nebraska. Unlike Rodgers and Cook before him, Smothers is extremely reliant on his legs. So far, he has not hit 200 passing yards this year. However, his legs are pretty darn wonderful. He's gotten 10-plus rushing attempts in three out of the last four games, running for at least 35 yards in each one. Highest he's had so far is 118 yards. So clearly, there the potential has already kind of been reached there in terms of like what kind of game can or has potential has been shown not reached he probably has even bigger like this is a dude that could if they wanted to run for 150 plus potential has been shown there that again he can hit 100 yards rushing on the ground and he has scored on the ground at least once in every game that he has started so he's clearly part of the game plan when they get down there near the goal line Similar to the last couple of guys, the schedule here is beautiful the next couple of weeks. Truly, truly, God bless the USA. Or is, well, yes, God bless the USA, but God bless the CUSA here. Because, like, the next couple of weeks here for Logan Smothers and Jacksonville State, they got Middle Tennessee State. They got Liberty. They got Western Kentucky. All three of those are teams that have had some defensive struggles this year as well as having some offenses that can score, forcing the Gamecocks to keep pace here. I think some others, with his dual threat ability, plays a really, really soft, or, well, he plays a really soft schedule here, but he's set up nicely for a very good stretch here over the next couple of weeks. He's a perfect guy to go and grab off the waiver wire, hold on to your bench, evaluate what your QBs are doing, whether it's a tough matchup or whether they're on by, and then strategically play smothers in over the next couple of weeks i think he's gonna have some pretty massive weeks here but especially liberty and western kentucky i think he's in for big big weeks there a couple of reminders i want to throw out here because again there are some guys out there that are really truly important that i again i'm not talking about today because i've already i've already brought them up on a previous episode but i want to throw the reminder out there jalen raynor quarterback at arkansas state top three quarterback performance in the entire country last uh last weekend only roster on 23% of rosters. This is the last weekend you're going to get him. If you 
have the fab if you have the ability to go and get him you got to get him now um jace bauer kind of very similar thing again not the greatest performance this past week two touchdowns but even so bauer's gonna have some really good weeks in action coming up and then joey aguilar he is somebody i considered putting on here um but i really want to focus on guys who have really good matchups like this week um or at least in the next couple of weeks and aguilar is off on a bye but he's been another pretty steady eddie guy now as promised, how would I rank these guys? How like how if I ranked my quarterbacks, who would I prioritize? Well, number one would be Jalen Raynor, and it's not close. Dude is gonna be absolutely lighting it up at Arkansas State the next couple of weeks. He's gonna be fantastic. Jace Bauer, quarterback Central Michigan, he'd be my, my number two. From there, we get into the guys I just talked about. Again, Rogers, uh Chandler or Yes, Chandler Rogers would be my first guy. Logan Smothers would be my second. Then I would go Cook. All three of those guys are pretty similar. I put Rogers and Smothers above him just because I know there's some dual threat ability there. And then I would put Joey Aguilar and then Kyron Drones. Mostly because, again, Aguilar, I think he's good. I, I would honestly put him in the same range as like Rogers and Cook and sub, stuff like that. And then Drones... Obviously, dual threat ability is great. He's performed well the last couple of weeks. I just don't know I can fully trust that Virginia Tech offense yet. But even so, all what is that seven, seven of those guys, all seven of those guys are very, very good pickups this week. If you're looking for some guys to relieve the pain of bye weeks over the next couple of weeks, let's go talk about some running backs here. I'm gonna be real with y'all. I struggled this week. Struggled this week with really finding some good running back options. There just isn't a lot out there. Like I said, with running backs. I want I want to find some good options for you guys. It's just that you know most of the high volume guys are already off. And again, we got a couple guys here that are still lingering out there. We'll talk about here. But even if you find good matchups here, it's hard to trust running backs without a ton of good volume. So we'll definitely see how you guys feel about this with me. But I found five guys that we can talk about here. First of which is Logan Diggs, running back at LSU. I am cheating here a little bit. I typically go under thirty percent roster ship for these guys but this one just feels a little bit too important to not bring up Diggs has seen 15 touches and three 15 plus touches excuse me in three out of the last four games for LSU he's had 100 plus scrimmage yards in three out of the last four games he's only got three touchdowns because again Jaden Daniels is a vulturing butthole um I say that because you know he's on all the other teams he's not on my teams um but that really should change somewhat as a staff is going to want to protect Daniels down the line. Again, now that LSU has two losses, they're not really needed. I mean, they're not like, I don't think there's any real reason to kind of risk putting Daniels in danger for anything. Like you're, you're already out of the playoff and everything like that. You're going to go to a good bowl game and everything. Uh, Probably the only thing they're probably still playing for is the SEC championship. But like, quite frankly, they, they lost to Ole Miss. Like I feel like LSU is not done losing. Um, But even still LSU, for the goodness, good news here is that they're averaging 44 points a game over the last five games. It's going to be a pretty good investment, I think, to have the lead running back on a team that's doing that much damage to the defenses they're facing, who is also still capable of running the ball. Like, obviously, like you don't take that logic and be like, oh, well, Western Kentucky's scoring 44 points a game. Let's go grab their number one running back. Eh, no, I wouldn't do that because they uh, they pass way too much. But LSU, yeah, they still got to run the ball. And Diggs has been the main guy for them. And I really think that you're going to see some touchdown regression for him over the next coming weeks. Again, obviously, we saw two this past week. I think they're going to want to kind of keep Daniels from having to rush more than he has to. Diggs should be an excellent grab for most of you in leagues where he's still available. 
Let's go talk about our second running back here. Let's talk about Mr. Tyree Shelton, running back out of Louisiana Tech, rostered in 17% of rosters here. Last week, 16 rushing attempts, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Let's go kind of review what's been going on at Louisiana Tech because a lot of you are probably not paying attention to the Bulldogs whatsoever because, again, you got you know, you know got other games going on, and then you can't watch every game. So Louisiana Tech running back room has just been super, super banged up. And, like, again, Mar- Marquise Crosby, it seemed like we were going to get him to start. He gets banged up. They're missing some other options there. Uh, they lose Squirrel Williams over the, over, um, the offseason. So they're kind of desperate here. And... So in week two, we see Shelton kind of rip off 12.4 yards per carry on five touches. So clearly the staff sees this and like, all right, we're going to get him some more run in week three. Seems like, you know, he's performing super well. Week three, 18 touches, 157 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, that's great. You're looking at that being like, oh, wow, Louisiana Tech, that's an offense that's going to score a bunch. Um, they're going to be in some really good matchups playing the CUSA. Like that's going to be a running back we're going to want to invest in here. Well, week four comes around, he's held out. I personally thought that might have been the end of it, given like what's been going on with all Louisiana Tech running backs. Like He would be out, and the next guy comes up, and that's kind of it. Well, Shelton comes back for week five, and he picks up pretty much right where he started. Like I said, he went 16 touches, 104 yards, and a touchdown. I'm not still entirely sure if he's going to be a weekly contributor based on the two performances we've seen. Again, two performances through five weeks. It's a lot to kind of base base everything on. It is a good sign that he immediately came back and was able to produce again, get the volume he needed. That was definitely very nice to see. But here's the thing I do know. Again, I don't know if he'll be a guy that we can truly rely on down the line, but I do know he'll be facing the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers this week who are 120th in the country when it comes to rushing defense. After that, they get Middle Tennessee State, who is 77th. After that, they get New Mexico State, who is 87th. If he's getting the volume that he's been getting over the last couple of weeks, he'll be a great guy to start in these guys. I think that he is a perfect guy to grab, get ready to plug in during a bye week hell. It's like... Especially, again, if you, if you have one of those rosters where, you know, you got all your guys lined up, but one guy goes down, one guy is a late scratch, and you don't have anybody else there, Sheldon's the perfect guy to grab, stick on your bench, put him as your auto-sub, and just kind of let him go. Espe- again, especially against Middle Tennessee and New Mexico, I would honestly just go ahead and start him against Western Kentucky. I like that matchup quite a bit. Obviously, it depends on who else you have in your team. The other good thing is here, I almost forgot to mention this, uh, Shelton's wide receiver eligible. And so if you're playing in a non-PPR league, especially, that's a pretty decent advantage that you can grab a running back and stick him at a wide receiver spot. So be on the lookout for that. Let's go talk about another running back here. This one is full-on stream option. I'll be, like, again, the volume here isn't great. I'll be real. But I do think, I do like this matchup quite a bit here. You always got to be looking for that MAC volume, even if it's just for one week. Bailey or Miles Bailey, this is the guy we're talking about. I, I, I should really say these guys' names a little bit more. Miles Bailey, the running back of Central Michigan, this past week 14 rushing attempts, 92 yards, three receptions, 47 yards, rostered on 2% of leagues, didn't score a touchdown. That's unfortunate this past week. Um, he's been averaging about 12 to 17 touches in the last three games. So, not great volume, in my opinion, but you know, not the worst thing in the world. 
he is clearly still the lead back on this team. And the matchups for this week for Central Michigan are pretty freaking awesome. We got Buffalo, who's 129th in the country when it comes to rushing defense. We've seen Buffalo already with a couple of the teams here. They don't need a ton of touches to rack up some really, really nice yardage for them. Bailey has already kind of shown that, again, he doesn't need more than 15 attempts to get close to that 100-yard mark. The big question here, I would say, is how much does he get vultured by Jace Bauer? Jace Bauer's already got six rushing touchdowns on the year. But when you got, excuse me, when you have a Buffalo Bulls defense here who's averaging 239 rushing yards given up per game, that should be plenty for Miles Bailey to get involved in there, especially since Bauer doesn't really have a ton of high rushing totals. He Again, he's a full-on touchdown vulture, runs it in from five yards out. He never runs it in from 40 yards out or anything like that. I think Bailey will get plenty of production, plenty of volume. It's just a matter of does he get the touchdowns. Regardless, he is a great guy to grab on the waiver wire. Stick on your bench for an auto sub or stick into your lineup if you're really desperate for some good matchups in your starting lineup. Let's move on to the next running back here. Let's talk about Malik Jackson. Again, this is kind of the counterpart to Logan Smothers. Got two Gamecocks on the show today. Malik Jackson, running back now Jacksonville State. Again, 13 rushing attempts, 129 yards, and a touchdown this past week. Two receptions six for six yards. Rostered on 28% of league, so very much right on that cusp there. But I think it's about time that he probably goes over that. He's probably a guy that needs to be rostered in a ton of leagues here. Let's talk about his history real quick. Again, he's... Formerly of Yulo Monroe, followed Rich Rodriguez from Yulo Monroe to Jacksonville State. Over the course of the f- first five games of the year here, or four games, they, they had a bye week in, th- in week three, excuse me. He's earned the trust of the staff. He's hit it. He's hit 92 scrimmage yards in every single game so far this year, uh, the lowest of which was game one. So he's, he's only improved on that since then. His volume's been kind of slightly up and down. Again, you're probably a low of 12. I mean, this past week, you only got 13 rushing attempts. I've seen as high as uh, 21 rushing attempts for him. So it's it's been a bit up and down. But again, when you are still reaching no matter what, 92 plus scrimmage yards every single game, that's a pretty safe floor there. That's something to be admired there. It does kind of suck that through um, through four games on the year, he's only got three touchdowns. That probably doesn't get much better with Smothers continuing to steal those goal line carries. But again, like given the fact that again we've seen this consistent production with the yardage on a week by week basis, he's a pretty safe, about as safe of a floor play as you can get at running back. A perfect guy to just hold onto your bench, and if you know one of your guys gets scratches, he goes in. You're probably only getting like anywhere from ten to. Um, like 18 points, but that's still pretty darn valuable in these bye weeks right here. And also, again, like kind of mentioned this earlier, the remaining schedule for a lot of these teams in the Mountain West are just absolutely gorgeous. Jacksonville State, as I mentioned earlier with Logan Smothers, great matchups coming up. Middle Tennessee State, Liberty, West Kentucky, who I just talked about with um, uh, Tyree Shelton. They're a bottom 10 team in the country when it comes to uh, rushing defense. So that's a great matchup there in a couple of weeks. And just the entire remaining of the remaining schedule here, according to C2C Winning Edge and Nicholas Ian Allen, they are 83rd against the pass. So 
sucks for Logan Smothers, but he wasn't very good at the pass anyway. But they're 120th against the run. There's some really, really big weeks for Malik Jackson coming, I feel like. And, you know, go ahead and grab him now and store him on your your roster because I feel like his value is only going to grow from here. So, last but not least, let's go touch on Mr. Kadarius Calloway, the running back at Old Dominion, rostered on 1% of leagues. Just an absolute monster game this past week. uh, 24, I don't, I don't know if that, I think I might have screwed up this uh, graphic here, y'all. This is my bad. Let me go find his stat line real quick because I'm pretty sure that he is. Uh, let me find him. Apparently, Kadarius Calloway is a hard person to find. There we go. All right, this past week, he had 11 carries for 236 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened to my graphic there. I could have sworn I put that in there. Um, Anyway, so 11 carries, 236 yards, three touchdowns. Just absolutely insane. Like, dude was just ripping off big run after big run against Marshall there. The fact that he hit over 200 yards on less than 200 carries is just kind of mind-blowing, really. This is normally the kind of player that ends up on my trap player segment. You're probably sitting there wondering, like, Jared, like, 11 carries for 236 yards? That's that's a, that's a stay away. That's a red flag right there. That's a, this is an outlier. Again, definitely an outlier in terms of, like, I don't think he's hitting 236 rushing yards and three touchdowns in the same game again this year. But especially, and again, especially since he only had five total carries before this game. However... I am going to stick my neck out for this guy and go outside my typical process for him, mostly because I think the matchup here is just too too good to pass up here. There's just one, and, and also, again, there's just not a lot of running backs I love on the waiver wire this week. So, you know, kind of playing an experiment here, kind of seeing if I am right on being able to predict a big performance here. First of all, they're facing Southern Miss this weekend. That is their matchup for this weekend, and Southern Miss is 119th against the run in the country. They are quite abysmal, and some of the highlight performances against that defense so far this year, just go back a couple of weeks here. Trey Benson only needed nine carries to go 79 yards and three touchdowns against them. Tulane, you had Makai Hughes only need 14 yards to go 83, or 14 carries to go 83 yards against them. Jalen Raynor, again, not a running back, but you know, the leading rusher for Arkansas State. Only needed 17 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown. Then, of course, of course, this past week, we only needed 15 touches for Ishmael Mahdi to go for 178 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, this this rushing defense is just going to give up big play after big play. And again, it's still a risk here. This is why he's down here as the fifth option at, for the running backs here for me here. It has everything to do with, like, I really think that, again, when you have a 200-plus yard performance, that demands more carries. He is going to get more carries than the 11 we saw. He's going to increase his workload here, especially when your offense is struggling to get going in literally any other phase of the game. The rest of your running backs are kind of dookie. You can't get your quarterback situation figured out whatsoever. Callaway has to be your guy moving forward. Yeah, they're probably going to stack the box against him a little bit more. But again, it's Southern Miss. They haven't been able to stop nobody all year long. They know the run's coming when he got Ishmael Mahdi there. They know the run's coming when he got Trey Benson there. They weren't able to stop him. So I think Callaway is in for at least one more big week here. I think this is a stream play. You probably don't 
start him after this week. But if you need a, a running back to start, because you know your entire lineup's decimated here in week six, I think Callaway might be good for just one week here. A couple of honorable mentions here. Um, this is the big one. Again, Ishmael Mahdi, I just brought him up. Just a massive performance this past week. He's not going anywhere, y'all. Texas State's going to continue to score. Mahdi is clearly a guy that they are going to rely on when they get down close to the goal line. I mean, I believe, if I remember correctly, he's got he's a top five running back. Actually, I got I I have actually no, this is from this past week. Uh the little um the um what is it called? The ticker tape. Ticker tape down there, I believe, shows that Mahdi is a top five running back in all of CFF right now. And I, I was originally hesitant about that because he was very touchdown dependent to start. The touchdowns ain't going away, so I think he's here to say it. He's in for a massive season. He is the most important running back to pick up if he's still available in your league. He's rostered in 45% of your leagues right now. So if you're in the 55% that doesn't have him, got to go change that. He's way too valuable. And then the other one here, again, very similar to Callaway, is kind of a guy that I saw that might be um, particularly valuable this weekend. We got Rashad Amos, um, who is going up against, I thought I ever had this written down, but who are they? Go- who is Miami of Ohio? I remember somebody pretty good here. Yes, they're going up against Bowling Green this weekend. So that, again, another uh, rushing defense that is not... Pr- that is particularly abysmal right there. Amos has looked really good as the lead back for Miami of Ohio. He doesn't have quite the volume you're looking for, but I think against a defense like that, he should be plenty, plenty good to start in a tough spot. In terms of how I'd rank all these running backs I talked about here today, Ishmael Mahdi, like I said, he's number one. Logan Diggs, probably number two. Tyree Shelton, uh, Callaway, Jackson. I would say uh, Shelton through Jackson are all very similar together. Then you got Miles Bailey and then Rashad Amos there at the end. All right, let me take a sip of water, y'all. Ah, there we go. Sorry about that. That was kind of a weird sound I just made. Anyway, uh, let's go talk about some wide receivers. Uh, once again, a lot of fun options, but like again, we're kind of—I don't want to say we're scrap—we're scraping here, but again, it's a lot of names that we just straight up didn't even think about to start the year. These are guys that are really kind of coming out of nowhere, and that's kind of the part of the fun of college fantasy. So, pretty much every single one of these guys, if I'm looking at this correctly, yeah, every single one of these guys except for one is under 10%. There's a lot of fun wide receiver guys to grab over the next couple of weeks. And let's get started with the first one here. Mr. Amari Thomas, the wide receiver out of UAB, rostered on 1% of leagues. Ding, ding, ding. Another true freshman alert here. He's a three-star freshman in this past class. He has quickly, quickly become a super reliable option for this UAB passing attack. Over the last two games... He had himself 23 targets. And in one of those games, it came against Georgia, whose defense is not playing as well as they have the last couple of years, for sure. But I think that game is what solidified to the staff, saying like, okay, this is a guy we can rely on going forward. If this is a guy that can perform as well as he did against Georgia, he is is somebody that is going to do very well against the rest of the league. And we see that. Again, this past week, 10 targets, 8 receptions, 99 yards. Didn't pull in a touchdown. They didn't get any passing touchdowns this past week, which was very annoying for me because I started uh, Jacob Zeno in a league, so that kind of sucked. But even still, 
the schedule sets up really nicely for UAB moving forward, especially this weekend. This weekend, they play USF, who is 127th in a passing defense in the entire country. So just a really, really good matchup for a guy that's on fire right now, who is, again, hitting 21 targets in the last two games. He's probably in line for another 10 targets this upcoming weekend. This is an offense that's seen 35-plus passing attempts in every game, averaging 41.6 passing attempts per game. Thomas is going to be fed constantly. He's the starting wide receiver for UAB moving forward. I think that he is somebody that really we haven't even started to see the ceiling of him. With how much this, this uh, offense atta- or passes, I think that Thomas is going to compare more and more of a target share because he's only a true freshman. And he's only got one touchdown through five weeks. But like I said, I think he's only getting started. That's going to catch up with him. He's going to be a guy that they're constantly looking for in the end zone. So I like him this week, and I quite frankly like him a ton. And obviously, if you're in a dynasty league, given what we've seen out of UAB this year and the system they're running right now, I feel like Thomas is a pretty, pretty important pickup in any kind of league like that. I'm just mad that I didn't go and pick him up myself after his performance against UJ last week because I knew I knew he was going to be good after that. But like, I guess I just needed one more week of confirmation. Anyway, let's go talk about Sean Atkins, the wide receiver at USF. Speaking of USF and UAB, we're going to go to the other side of the conflict here. And we're going to talk about Atkins, again, rostered in 1% of leagues uh, this past week. Five targets, four receptions, 116 yards, and two touchdowns. You're probably looking at me like, Jared, that's a... Five targets, that's not typically what you go for here. But again, I touched on Atkins a little bit last week. We talked about Naeem Simmons on last week's show. And I mentioned that Atkins probably was the safer player because he's had the volume. He's been the number one um, wide receiver for USF in terms of target volume so far this year. He just hasn't had a lot of the big explosive plays like we've seen Naeem Simmons had. But this past week, uh, I mean, this week we kind of saw why Atkins is probably the safer guy. Like, Simmons didn't quite live up to the expectations that I laid out last week. Meanwhile, Atkins was one to have a pretty explosive week. Like I said, he's got five targets this past weekend, but that's the lowest we've seen up until this point. And he made up for it by, one, going for 88 yards on a single catch and then scoring two touchdowns. So he didn't need a ton of targets because, you know, he did well with the ones that he was able to get there. He still leads the team in targets. He plays out of the slot, which is where uh, Jalen Hyatt was able to um, was able to be during his dominant stretch last year in this Alex Golish offense. I think that Atkins is pretty pro- again. Simmons is probably a better best ball play than anything else. Meanwhile, Atkins might be the guy that you might be looking at as a potential starter week in and week out, given how much the South Florida offense has been able to score in year one under Alex Golish. I would not mind um, grabbing Atkins as a safety blanket for the next couple of weeks because look at the schedule. you got UAB coming up. They're 71st against the pass, so very much middle of the road. Pretty much what USF has been able to do to everybody on the schedule so far, they're going to continue to do against UAB. Then you got Florida Atlantic. They're 85th against the pass. Then you got UConn, also 71st against the pass. So very consistent schedule moving forward. Shouldn't be too much of an up-and-down performance for Atkins in terms of his volume and targets. I think that you are looking at a very safe guy to get you through the next couple of weeks when all of your star wide receivers are on the bench. So let's go talk about our next wide receiver, Mr. Joey Hobart, wide receiver out of Texas State. 13% of rosters he is held on. 
or 13% of leagues he is rostered on. I always I always mess that up for some reason. I'm not sure why. Anyway, this past week, 12 reception or 12 targets for 10 receptions, 126 yards, and a touchdown. As the season goes along, we are finding the pieces that are going to make this Bobcat and GJ Kinney offense truly click down the line. As the season started, it was kind of up and down. Um, they had a really good performance week one, then they kind of crapped the bed against UTSA. I mean, UTSA's got a decent defense, so I'm not going to knock them too much. But it was kind of clear that, you know, they're spreading the ball around. There wasn't a clear top guy that they were looking for until now, it looks like. Maybe this doesn't last throughout the rest of the season, but I can't ignore 21 targets over the last two games. And during those last two games, 90-plus yards and a touchdown in both of them. He now has overtaken Ashton Hawkins as the lead target on this team by six targets. He has been seeing that number grow every single week since the season has started. He plays in the slot, which is somebody or somewhere that um, TJ Finley is super comfortable targeting. I think that, again, Hopert's really kind of stepping up at this point. He is in for a good stretch down the line here. He plays in the offenses so far. We haven't really been seeing shut down for a full 60 minutes of play outside of that UTSA game. And that does make me a little bit worried about the upcoming weekend when they're facing Louisiana. They're 35th against the pass. It's kind of rough. But if he continues to get, you know, 10, 12 targets in a game, I think he's going to be fine still. Plus, there's just also the possibility that, like, the UTSA game was a true outlier and G.J. Kenny set up an absolute dynamite offense here. That'll be matchup proof throughout the rest of the season as long as they're playing against Sunbelt competition. So we'll definitely see. Again, it's a, it's a, I'm a little squeamish about Louisiana, but again, UL Monroe next week, that's absolutely epic. Love that. Troy in three weeks, I don't know about that one. That's probably the one I'd definitely sit him for. But even still, if you really need him and you're, you're in a pinch, I'd start him against Louisiana. I'd start him against UL Monroe. But... Yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say on Hobart. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one here. Let's talk about Lewis Bond. Uh, no, not the thing you learned about in high school chemistry. Uh, the player, the wide receiver out of Boston College. This past week, he had nine targets for seven receptions, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Rostered in 6% of leagues here. We have seen that with Castellanos at quarterback, this Eagles offense has looked much better than we were kind of expecting it to. And Lewis Bond has really been another part of the reason why. Again, a lot of us were kind of coming in expecting that, you know, Ryan O'Keefe would be the main guy, kind of take over that Zay Flowers role, provide, you know, that one guy on the offense that's doing anything. But no, Lewis Bond, like, even before that point, really stepped up as a clear second option for Boston College, if not, you know, as well as with uh, Joseph Griffin there. They've got plenty of weapons there, and it's been very impressive to see so far. And over the last three games, specifically with Bond, we've seen 21 targets resulting th- in three different games of 70-plus yards and a touchdown to go along with it in every single game. It's been a very, very safe play for Bond every single week here, especially in PPR leagues right here. He's clearly game-planned to be a big play threat for this offense. Every single week, we have seen a deep shot go to Bond. That is just his role in this offense when they need a big play like that. I think pretty much going forward, you'll see at least one to two shots taken him every single game. Will it work every time? You know, probably not. That's just how these things work. It's a, it's a game of probability sometimes. But even so, like, that's something I'm willing to bet on here for the most part. 
And then just in, in addition to everything else, like I said, he's gotten 21 targets over the last three games here. But we just saw Ryan O'Keefe, unfortunately, go down with what looks like to be a neck injury, and he'll probably be out for a little bit here. That opens up about a fifth of the team's targets so far, which, again, not obviously not all of that's going to go to Bond. But given the fact that Bond plays both on the outside and in the slot position, that kind of opens up a lot of opportunity for Bond to see a larger number of targets come his way than even we've been seeing recently. So I like the schedule moving forward. Again, Army, always kind of a tough one. It's really weird to kind of see you know how different teams handle the triple option. But after that, Georgia Tech, UConn, they're in weeks uh, 7 and 8. I think those are great matchups. I think you're absolutely looking for Bond to be that guy that can plug a hole in your starting lineup if you're really struggling those weeks. I would say last but not least, but today I'm actually going to give you guys six wide receivers. So we're going to touch on the next one here. Mr. Tyler Brown, the another true freshman alert. Woo, 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 woo. Um, wide receiver at Clemson, rostered on 8% of leagues. Again, another true freshman breakout. Gotta love seeing it. Um, Brown's already, as a freshman, second in the team when it comes to targets. And clearly has a really, really good connection with Club Nick over the last couple of weeks. Every single week since week two, we've seen his target numbers go up. In week two, he had two. In week three, he had three. In week four, he had six. In week five, he had ten. This past week, he had ten targets, eight receptions for 151 yards, didn't find the end zone, but still, that's really, really incredible to see how much he has grown to be a part of this offense in just a couple of weeks here. I think over the next couple of weeks, Clemson knows that they're out of the playoff hunt. They can only really focus on making themselves better and preparing for next year. Tyler Brown being a freshman here absolutely is super important for him to get involved as much as possible, get him ready for a run Next year, especially when you got guys like Bo Collins and unfortunately Adam Randall, who just can't seem to stay healthy there, Brown will provide an incredible option for them to be counting on in the future. I think he's going to be a huge part of this offense moving forward, given how much of an impact he's made early on. I truly think it's just the beginning for Brown. And if you're looking for that, you know, clear, tall, outside option wide receiver for Clemson, I think Brown is huge for that. And. We'll see moving forward. But right now, I think this is probably one of the earliest chances that you're going to be able to get him. So go out and grab him. Now we'll hit on our last wide receiver here. Let's talk about Mr. Jalen Royals. Another guy that you guys are probably looking at me being like, this seems like a guy that would probably be a trap player, Jared. Because, you know, Terrell Vaughn didn't hardly do anything. I'm like, well, we'll talk about that here in a second. Anyway, Royals rostered on 2% of leagues here. We got seven targets for seven receptions, 185 yards, and three touchdowns. Just absolutely monster game from Royals. And it comes on the heels of Terrell Vaughn being absolutely bracketed in this game. Super unfortunate for me. One, it really knocks down the potential of how many targets that Terrell Vaughn could hit on this year because he has an entire game. It's just a flat zero. That's just a personal thing. But uh, anyway... Terrell Vaughn was bracketed. Utah State needed somebody else to step up. Otherwise, they're going to be in huge, huge trouble. And their starting outside wide receiver, Jalen Royals, was that guy. Like I said, just an absolutely absurd performance. And this isn't, I don't want, again, obviously like 185 yards, three touchdowns. That's an anomaly. But like the volume he got in this game, 
isn't quite the anomaly that I was expecting it to be. Like, again, I've been looking at Terrell Vaughn a lot, but like Jalen Royals has quietly seen 26 targets over the last three games. His role in this offense has been growing since the start of the season. And quite frankly, Utah State made it clear this past week that if you're going to bracket Terrell Vaughn, Jalen Royals is going to score on you. That is as simple as that. So moving forward, if Utah State can figure out some consistency at quarterback, we could be seeing two startable wide receiver options for the Aggies moving forward. And, we, and this isn't the first time we've seen Blake Anderson have multiple startable wide receivers for college fantasy here. So I think that, you know, definitely something to keep an eye on here with Royals, really kind of locking down that clear outside option, Terrell Vaughn being there in the slot. And then if you're in a dynasty league, Royals is only a junior. Vaughn's out of eligibility after this year. We talked about in the past about Blake Anderson wide receiver ones. I think Royals will be that guy next year. If he doesn't go off to the NFL, which I don't know why he would go off to the NFL after this year, I think Royals would be the guy next year. I think if you're looking for a guy to go ahead and try to grab sneakily in some dynasty rosters right now, you can probably get Royals for pretty cheap right now because I think some people aren't, uh, I don't know, maybe you could have gotten him really cheap before this week because I, I grabbed him in a couple of leagues knowing that, again, he's, you know, potential for big weeks there. Um, but even so, like, I think he is officially the guy for Utah State moving forward into next year. Unless they grab some guy out of the out of the transfer portal, that could change things there. But again, you might be saying to me, Jared, well, it's a little unfortunate that, you know, Terrell Vaughn had his uh, donut week last week, just zero points altogether. But, you know, he's coming back next week, right? Like, there's no way Royals is going to get um, what he has. Well, again, like I said, the targets have been there for Royals, but let's say you're not buying that. Let's say you're like, okay, he's not going to... He's not going to do super well with the targets that he's getting there. Vaughn's going to get all the touchdowns again, blah, 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 blah. They play Colorado State this week. They are dead last in passing yards allowed. I think that this is absolutely one of those weeks where probably both Royals and Vaughn are in for big weeks. Again, fingers crossed, so long as that quarterback play is pretty consistent. Again, that's kind of been the main thing nipping at the Aggies that... Lagos will crap the bed for a half, and then you only get a half with the offense running well. And then, um, oh my god, I forgot his name. It's like Milstead or something like that. Milstead will come in for a half in the next game, crap the bed, and then again, you get a comeback in the second half with Cooper Lagos. It's been frustrating as heck for the Utah State quarterback position here, and it's definitely impacted the wide receivers a bit. But for now... I think Royals is worth picking up here. Again, rostered only 2% of leagues. Let me run through some honorable mentions here real quick for you guys. Got to touch on some guys. Again, very similar to Royals. There's a lot of guys who are in really good matchups this week that I just want to throw out here as honorable mentions that are still pretty widely available. Again, not under the 30% that I typically like to put on this show, most of them, but I want to throw them out here. Jay Macklin, uh, wide receiver in North Texas, rostered in 36% of leagues. He faces Navy this week. They're a bottom 30 defense. He scored a touchdown in every game so far. I have no reason to suspect that'll change this weekend. You got Ricky White, the wide receiver at a UNLV. He's rostered in 37% of leagues. He faces Nevada this weekend, who's 129th in passing defense, although they did a decent job against Fresno State this past week. That was definitely unfortunate for me in a couple of leagues there. 
And then who else we got here? We got Ricky Pearsall, wide receiver out of Florida. He's rostered in 42% of leagues. He faces South Carolina this week, who we've seen their passing defense is pretty atrocious, especially for a Power 5 team. They're 126 in the country. So I think Pearsall is an excellent grab for this you this weekend if he's available in some of your leagues. Um, and then Nick Nash, the wide receiver out of San Jose State, rostered in 42% of leagues. They face Boise State, who surprisingly has had a very poor secondary this year. They're 122nd in passing defense. Nash hasn't had a touchdown since week, was it week? Yeah, week zero. <laughs> so he hasn't scored a touchdown at all since the season started. Truly, um, I think that regresses. I think that if he's continuing to be the number one target for San Jose State, he'll find the end zone against Boise State's um, passing defense there. And then one other name I'll throw out here. This is kind of an off-the-cuff one, but again, you're facing a Tulsa defense. It's also bottom 30 in the country. But Jaquan Burton, I love LeJonte Wester. He's going to have an epic weekend this weekend probably. But Jaquan Burton was a guy that got hurt, and then the week he comes back, he gets 14 targets. Again, I'm I'm a little hesitant with Daniel Richardson there at quarterback because, again, Burton got 14 targets but only five catches. I think that he's another one that, again, he's only rostered in 2% of leagues. Like, if you're really, really desperate and you need to just kind of throw somebody out there for some high upside, Jaquan Burton, wide receiver out of Florida Atlantic, might be your guy. Now, how would I rank all these wide receivers? I'll run it through real quick. There's a lot of guys here, and these guys are honestly really hard to rank because they're just all so similar and the reasons why I like them either moving forward or this weekend. Uh, so I will start with Pearsall. We'll probably be number, my number one guy to grab off the waiver wire if he's available, at least for just this week. Again, after that point, obviously, there's a lot of games that are, you know, a little difficult to navigate there. Uh, but then you got Amari Thomas, UAB, Sean Atkins out of USF, then Hobart out of Texas State, then Jalen Royals out of Utah State, then uh, Ricky White then Nick Nash, then Jay Macklin, then Lewis Bond, then um, Tyler Brown, then Jaquan Burton. Again, all very similar to each other. I probably wouldn't have a huge difference between any of those guys, but I think they're all good options either for this weekend or kind of moving forward. So depending on what your team needs, adjust accordingly. Now, let's hit one tight end this weekend, and I'll be real with y'all. Tight ends just... Not any great options to really talk about this weekend, except for one guy, and that is Mitchell Evans, the tight end out of Notre Dame. We all know what the Notre Dame tight end has been the last couple of years. You're talking about guys like, obviously, like uh, Michael Meyer. You're talking about Cole Komet. You're talking about all these, uh, Tommy Tremble. Like, it's been just beautiful for college fantasy. And, again, another guy I got to eat a little bit of crow on, because... Um, I was not in on Evans at all this offseason, and to start the year, I thought I was right. I thought Evans was going to be a guy that um, was just going to be another guy on the Notre Dame offense with Sam Hartman being better with the receivers. There wasn't a need for a number one tight end there, but the last couple of weeks, Evans has stepped up big time. I really thought that Holden stays would kind of make that leap as the pass-catching tight ends and that Mitchell Evans might be relegated to blocking duties, but nope. In the last two weeks, in the two biggest games for Notre Dame of the year, we've seen Mitchell Evans get seven targets for seven receptions and 75 yards against Ohio State. And then this past weekend, eight targets for six receptions and 134 yards and zero touchdowns against Duke. My apologies once again for not changing the graphic. That is pitiful on me, y'all. Gotta fire whoever did the graphics. Anyway, um, even so, like, again, do I think he's going to be the Michael Meyer. 
Probably not. Again, obviously the last couple of weeks have been great, but I, I still think there's a good, he's probably not going to reach that high of a level because there's just better receiving options for Notre Dame to work with. But in the year where anchor tight ends are really just at a premium because of how many guys have been injured, Evans feels like a must grab if you haven't found your anchor tight end already. Again, he won't be in the same tier as like a Bowers or like a Dallin Holker. Uh, don't get me wrong, but you know, by by season's end, if he keeps this up, I think he absolutely could be. And I think this is something you really can't pass up. And so, again, if you're struggling at tight end, just can't find that number one guy, I think Evans might be the most important pickup for you this week. Again, probably not as big as, like, you know, Holker was when he was still available. But, like, I think Evans, again, if you're looking to anchor down your tight end for a bit, just go with a system play. I guess you got to go with Evans. Again, I got to eat a little crow there. I think he's doing a lot better than I thought he would. That is not the last of the show today. I want to add one last little segment here at the very end because a lot of you have been requesting a lot when it comes to streaming defenses specifically. You want to know, like, all right, which defenses should I go with? And I'll be real, I don't put, I'm not going to put like a ton, a ton of thought because again, for the most part, most of them are pretty self explanatory. You target teams that are going against some FCS opponents or playing down in competition. Now, that can be a trap sometimes, and I will try to avoid that as much as I can. Again, I talked to Chris Moxley, talked to Nicholas Ian Allen, who are FCS savants when it comes to their knowledge of that level of football. So I make sure that these are not teams that are, you know, secretly really good at football and actually probably could be FBS programs that they want it to be. Uh, but that's not the case this week. Let's go run through these real quick again. Virginia going up against William and Mary. Uh, Virginia is a team, there's a DSC that's rostered only 1% of leagues, so very widely available. Um, William Mary was, according to Nicholas Ian Allen, a top 10 FCS teams, but unfortunately they just lost their best player, and in, in so doing, they were only able to score six points against another FCS opponent this past weekend. Maybe they get some stuff figured out, but if it's that big of an impact, I have a feeling that Virginia is going to be just fine against William & Mary this weekend. Uh, next one here, Mississippi State versus Western Michigan. We've seen Western Michigan go up against two other Power 5 opponents so far, and they have not been able to score more than seven points in either of those games. Mississippi State's got a pretty solid defense there. I think that they're going to be able to shut down Western Michigan completely. Miss, Mississippi State's only rostered in 4% of leagues, so you can probably go and grab them pretty quickly right now. Next up, we got Northwestern versus Howard. Again, I'm a little queasy recommending Northwestern because I just don't think they're a very good football team overall. But Howard, according to Nicholas Ian Allen's very middle-of-the-road FCS program, I think that's good enough for you to expect Northwestern to hold them to under 14 to 10 points. So I think that that's a decent option there. Probably my favorite of the week is going to be starting the Oregon State defense against Cal this weekend. I think that this is another opportunity for Oregon State to hold their opponent under um, potentially 14 points here. Because again, let's look at what Oregon State's been able to do so far this year. They held San Jose State to 17 points. You know, not great, but you know, still decent. You had UC Davis, uh, 7 points. San Diego State, 9 points. And then Utah this past week, 7 points. The one black eye on their record is Washington State just completely overwhelming their defense for 38 points. That obviously was not great. But that's the only time that Oregon State's defense has really been unstartable. Cal is not the same offense as Washington State. Washington State's offense is absolutely incredible so far this year. 
Cal is not that. I think Oregon State will be able to um, shut down either Sam Jackson or Ben Finley, whoever ends up starting that game. I think Jaden Ott's probably in for a decently rough day there. So I like that matchup quite a bit. Oregon State's a fun little um, fun little DSC to pick up. They're rostered only 11% right there. And then last but not least, got to pick on Iowa here. Iowa is without Caden McNamara right now. That offense just hasn't really been able to put up a ton of great offense over, that, over the last couple of weeks. I'm going to pick on them. Purdue's defense hasn't been great, but again, for a fifth option here as a streaming defense, might as well go with an offense that is epically, epically struggling. So go with Purdue there. All right. Now, after I get a sip of water, we will bring ourselves to the end of the show. I really, really appreciate all of you guys who have been tuning in here again decently long show today again i try i try i'm starting to try to get these waiver wire shows to an hour again added the extra segment so wasn't able to keep that time quite correctly and also i went really deep in with some of these players here today but even so really appreciate you guys listening again looking forward to seeing you guys again this upcoming wednesday for our next round of sit and start speaking of which if you haven't already go check out the at chasing the natty twitter account we will have a tweet up asking for your sit and starts for this week. So make sure you get yourself involved in that. We take those until noon on Tuesdays. Again, unfortunately, we just got to record pretty early in the week just because of personal things and also because, you know, we want to make sure we get these sit and start conversations out there well before the games start on Thursday, typically. And again, it's going to be even crazier with games starting on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So we'll figure all that out here in a little bit. But for now, really appreciate you guys listening. Hope you guys are enjoying this season of College Fantasy. Hope things aren't going too poorly for each and every one of you. Hope you're having a lot of fun. But until then, I will see you guys on Tuesday. And I hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed beginning to your week. See y'all.